Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Gist is sponsored by Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage right from your desk using your own computer and printer. Right now, get a no-risk trial and a $110 bonus offer by going to Stamps.com and using the promo code THEGIST. It's Monday, June 8th, 2015. From Slate, it's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. I'm in Chicago. I'm hosting Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me this week. But you know, even if I wasn't hosting, I would have to have had fled New York. Are you crazy? There was a prison breakout in New York. I am out of there. Now, never mind the fact that the Clinton Correctional Facility is as far away from my home in New York City as New York City is from the state of Maryland. But we gotta catch these guys. Sweat and Matt. Those are their names. What names? Sweat and Matt. Prison officials seem to be hard at work. In fact, they seem to be out of breath and fresh off the chase, if judged by this press conference. One has a sentence of life without parole. The other is serving 25 to life for murder in the second degree. The one who's serving life without parole is named David Sweat. He's a male. He was born in June of 1980. 5'11", 165 pounds. Second individual, Richard Matt, was born June 25th, 1966. He is 6' and weighs 210 pounds. Now, I gave you the dates of birth to uh, emphasize that these individuals may be apprehended at a uh, Chuck E. Cheese or a Denny's attempting to redeem a free birthday offer. What? Okay, I am told that Denny's has discontinued that. Repeat, they have suspended that promotion. There is evidence, however, the the birthdays indicate that they are Geminis, which means they will work well in tandem. Also, they are clever and intellectual people, but can also be tense and restless. Now, Sweat and Matt, Sweat and Matt, they are killers which means we should not have too much fun with this story, right? But it is exciting, isn't it? I know, I know it's wrong to be excited, even though that is the plot of every prison breakout movie. The main character is always said to be a killer. Well, maybe if not the main character, then his number one henchman, that guy's a killer. And these guys, they really are killers. One of them killed a cop. But Governor Andrew Cuomo, from all the prison break movies, here's what he took from it. The Shawshank Redemption, Prison Break, Escape from Alcatraz. Cuomo looked at these movies and said, the elected official, he's usually the hero. That's why he went up to the prison and got down on his hands and knees and inspected the escape route, because that always breaks the case, right? Uh, the manhole cover itself was secured from within, uh, so you couldn't go from, uh, from the street level through the manhole. The governor went on to say, What I want out of each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station, residence, warehouse, farmhouse, henhouse, outhouse, and doghouse. Checkpoints go up every 15 miles. Your fugitive's name, they're Matt and Sweat. Go get them. 
on the show today. I spiel about uncool foods. But right now, there is a big spike in crime in inner cities across the U.S. We ask if it's something called the Ferguson Effect. If you look at the statistics in many cities across the United States, crime is up. And this is after years and years and years of crime declining. In an article in the Wall Street Journal, Heather McDonald writes that this is the consequence of the Ferguson effect. They're already appearing. The main victims of growing violence will be the inner city poor. Heather McDonald joins me. Hello, Heather. Hi, Mike. Hello. So before we get to the phrase, which you didn't originate, came from a uh, St. Louis police chief, what are the statistics? What do we know about uh, how crime is increasing lately? Well, in, in certain cities, it's, it's quite extreme. Baltimore's had the worst May for shootings in recorded history. Milwaukee homicides are up 180%. Murder in Houston was up 100% through March. Chicago homicides are up 18%. Shootings are up 25%. Murder in New York is up 20%. Shootings up 9%. Police commanders are extremely concerned about this. Los Angeles has mobilized 200 officers from its elite metropolitan division to try and bring down the uh, 25% increase in shootings and violent crime there. So you've uh, studied and written about crime for a long time, and it's very tricky to figure out why things happen. In fact, there's a lot of scholarship exactly on that point, and there are a few things that are agreed. It's debated now. Can you define what the Ferguson effect means as you use it? It refers to depolicing that is going on in the wake of the last nine months of very constant, very extreme amply magnified protests against the police in the media and the officers are becoming concerned that actions that they take in good faith that are legitimate, such as using force against someone who is resisting arrest, will be, for instance, caught on cell phone. That will go viral. It will not show the entire encounter. The idea that policing is racially driven rather than driven by crime has caused officers, in my experience, talking to them and and talking with other people who work with them, to second-guess themselves about the use of force and to not engage in discretionary policing. There are some tangible ways that policing might go down because of perceptions of an anti-police climate. For instance, in Baltimore, where crime and gunplay has gone up, the department has put two officers in some cars. So that is really cutting the number of patrol cars you have out there in half. But at bottom, if police are feeling less empowered or feeling criticized, isn't it still on the police to do their job in policing? Doesn't this just redound to the police not doing what they need to do, no matter if people criticize them or not? Well, policing is political. And as I say, they are certainly responding to 911 calls. But there is a whole area of discretionary enforcement that can be emphasized or not emphasized. The so-called broken windows policing, which goes after low-level public order offenses that, that create a sense of disorder in a neighborhood, that social controls have broken down, 
things like, as I say, public drinking, public drug use, drug sales, kids loitering on stoops, the rhetoric that we've been hearing during the uh, insanely covered protests over the last nine months has not been quite that discriminating. They can't simultaneously complain that something like broken windows policing is racist, which is what the charge is here in New York because it has a racially disproportionate impact, and then complain that the cops aren't doing their job. Similarly, so the only so you're saying the only you can't complain against racism and at the same time complain that cops aren't doing their job. So does that mean the only way for cops to do their job is to allow a certain amount of racism? I am certainly not uh, at all agreeing that policing is racist. The no, I'm not saying that. You just said that. You just said that you can't complain. I will say this, that you cannot do data-driven policing, which is exquisitely colorblind, which is looking only where people are being victimized. You cannot do data-driven policing and not produce racially disproportionate enforcement statistics, whether it stops, arrests, or summons. Yeah, but that's different from saying a critic can't say that policing is racist and at the same time can't also say that the police aren't doing their jobs. I think you can. I don't think it's too pie in the sky to say that we can have great effective policing without racism. I'm not saying that everyone arrested has to look exactly like the demographics of a city, but there's a difference between racism and the second thing you just said, which is, you know, having racially disproportionate arrests? Well, in theory, you may be right, Mike, but the evidence that is always adduced for racist policing is enforcement statistics. In Brownsville, Brooklyn, which is predominantly black, the per capita shooting rate is 81 times higher than in nearby Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, which is white and Asian. Now, that means that the residents of Brownsville face an 81 times higher chance of getting shot than the residents of Bay Ridge. As a result of that disparity in shooting rates, the police are more actively involved in Brownsville making a lot more stops than they do in Bay Ridge. In fact, the stop rate in Brownsville is 15 times higher than it is in Bay Ridge. You cannot police in American cities without producing racially disproportionate stop and arrest data. And that is the only evidence that the left has for racism in the police. Well, it's not the only evidence they have. I mean, I agree with everything that you have. And still, I say that you could make the case that there is uh, there is racism within the police. We see anecdotally tapes of police officers making racist statements. We talk about the greater likelihood that a black person is to be an unarmed black person is to be shot by a policeman than an unarmed white person. And we have anecdotally. And the reason I'm bringing up the anecdote is because you call it the Ferguson effect. You don't call it the racially disproportionate effect. And we have anecdotal all these cases of black youth or black people being killed by police when they are unarmed. And so my question is to call it the Ferguson effect. I know you were quoting someone else, but why would the effect of a white police officer killing a black person and then not being prosecuted, which happens time and time again, but that's what happened in Ferguson. Why would that be the effect to drive policing down? If anything, wouldn't that embolden police? Hey, There's not going to be a legal consequence for shooting a black person or in the case of Eric Garner choking a black person or in the case of Tamir Rice killing a black boy. Well, it apparently has not been the case. Uh, So that would seem to undercut 
your view that the cops are high-fiving uh, and and somehow celebrating this alleged assault on unarmed Well, if we're going to use hyperbole, I, mean, that, I don't think they'd be high-fiving. Obviously, they're not high-fiving, and I have a lot of relatives who are cops, and I'm extremely sympathetic, and I know it's an extremely tough job. Obviously, they're not high-fiving, but to use hyperbole doesn't, quote, the Ferguson effect, say that they're cowering and a protester. I mean, what was in the Ferguson effect is mostly protesters, and because of protesters, a policeman can't go out there and arrest a wrongdoer? I don't... I. I believe that crime is up. I, I think the statistics, the empirical data show it. I think it is a fool's errand to say, especially a year or in some cases months after crime goes up, this is why. And the thing we point to is the thing that bothers police the most right now, or many policemen, which is criticism of them. I mean, it's just such a nice, tidy package, and I don't think it really works. Well, the criticism is of, of a particularly... Uh, the criticism is that they're over-policing in minority neighborhoods, so now they are policing less. That's exactly what presumably was asked of them. So I'm not sure what the left wants. You, If you want to re- maintain... I'm not the left. The I'm, I'm not level. the left. Okay, I, what, and I don't know what the left is. is. I, to I, me, I, I think I, you say the left, and it's a boogeyman. That thing that you said that you can't complain about, I think that's what maybe this mythical the left wants, which is good policing, low crime, and no racism. You said you can't have it both ways. I think that's what, what whoever, Americans, right-thinking Americans would want. Well, of course, and I'm saying that the proof of racism is racially disproportionate statistics. That's really what it comes down to. Let's let's look at uh, Ferguson, which I take. But, but it what I, about the likelihood for someone who's never broken the law to get stopped and frisked by police, which for a black person is exponentially higher than a white person? Yeah, it is. It is much higher for a black person than it is for a white person, and that is the crime tax that, unfortunately law-abiding blacks pay because the crime rates are so disproportionate. If if the black crime rate was identical to the Asian crime rate, we wouldn't be talking about policing. We're talking about policing in order not to talk about black crime, which is a much harder thing to talk about. Policing is an epiphenomenon of crime. In, in today's policing environment. It is data-driven. It is also community-driven. I was last night in the 41st Precinct in the South Bronx. What I hear in every police community meeting I've been to in a poor minority community is we want more cops. One woman said, hallelujah, the cops are here. Whenever I see cops, I, I feel safe. The police cannot respond to these heartfelt requests for public order without generating the type of arrest data and stop data that will be used against them in a the next ACLU lawsuit. Maybe so, but I also think they can't respond to that by saying, we'd like to, ma'am, but there were a lot of protests saying mean things about us. Well, and you have to fight through it. Okay, well, uh, you know, when you're making an arrest in Baltimore and you've got people there trying to block your pursuit of a suspect, you know, throwing Clorox bottles, water bottles at you. It makes it hard. On uh, May 4th, 
the police got a call for a man with a gun. They showed up at the scene. They saw somebody who matched the suspect, matched the description. Uh, he was hitching up his waistband. He takes off running. Uh, his gun goes off. And he falls on the ground and starts writhing and, and uh, complaining that the cops had shot him. Everybody then starts pelting the cops with rocks, bottles. Somebody lunges at them. It is very tense out there. You know, officers are sometimes saying it's it's not worth it, and and it is not apparently what is wanted. I certainly want you to make your point, but to me, it's not worth it is a dereliction of duty, and I think most of our elected officials would say that too. This was good. I enjoyed talking to you, and I think that the statistics are a lot for a lot of people to think about and question why, so I want to thank you for that. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Heather McDonald is the Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute and author of Are Cops Racist? Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Mike. Some small businesses still think an expensive postage meter is the only way to get postage without having to go to the post office. But they're wrong. They're Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, easily print postage for any letter or package using just your computer and printer. Unlike a postage meter, Stamps.com has no hidden fees like meter ink charges or reset fees, no extra hardware to buy, no long-term contracts. Stamps.com can save you at least 50% compared to a meter. Plus, do more with Stamps.com than you can do with a meter like sending tracking information to recipients with one click. The choice is clear. Stamps.com offers more features at a fraction of the cost. So use the promo code THEGIST for a special offer. Get a no-risk trial. You get a $110 bonus offer. It includes a digital scale and up to $55 in free postage. So go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in the gist. That's stamps.com. Enter the gist. And now the spiel targeted by Target. Big food companies, Smuckers, Kraft, Campbell's, reporting disappointing earnings for 2015. And representatives of General Mills and Kellogg's and Campbell report that the retailer Target does not want to put as much money and effort into promoting some of their products as it did in the past. Now, this upsets me. I am a cinnamon toast crunch guy. That was my Twitter avatar. But just like anyone who used to wear Hagar slacks or listen to Maroon 5 or Billy Joel, you know that it's tough times for the norm core. And what we're talking about here is edible norm core taking it on the chin. Here we go. After months of research, Target no longer has the suburban mom in its bullseye. Instead, it's focusing on what it calls the demanding enthusiast, a shopper defined as younger, multicultural, and living in cities. Well, I don't know if each shopper is multicultural, probably as a conglomerate, as a collective, they are more multicultural than the old Target. You know, just like America. And so what are they going to sell this multicultural city-bound I shouldn't say city-bound, city-liberated consumer. Yogurt and granola, coffee and tea, candy snacks, beer and wine, fresh meat and produce. So that's the trend. The trend is food that is actually food. It seems like sound strategy, but Smuckers is not playing along. Smuckers has introduced 100 new items. Now, some of them 
acknowledge this real food trend, this plain food trend, or as they call it, the clean label trend. Now, I have seen this phrase, the clean label trend, and what I thought it was just a different way of saying actual food. You know, like when we say label, as in record label, it's synecdoche, it's the part standing for the whole. But in Smucker's case, I've looked at some of the products, it does seem they're really just emphasizing that the label should be cleaner. And a lot of the labels of their new brands of jellies just have like a a wood type design and a plainer font. That's what they've really embraced. Let me read you a quote. Smucker's last year launched Smucker's Natural Fruit Spreads and plans to add tart cherry and blackberry varieties. I want you to know the font is very muted. The colors are in earth tones. Here's a quote from Paul Smucker Wagstaff who is not, in fact, related to H.R. Puff and stuff, but he says, looking ahead, we'll be introducing fruit and honey spreads, which we believe will resonate with consumers looking for alternative natural sweeteners. But we're talking about Smuckers, and not all is clean. The company is also launching Folgers Flavors Disposable Liquid Flavor Enhancers. Anytime a food has seven words in its name, maybe it's not a food. Here is a quote from Mark Smucker. What these products are, The first wave of products is essentially liquid sweetener and flavoring. So if you have a cup of black coffee, you can make it hazelnut, comma, whatever. That was was the exact quote. Hazelnut whatever. Liquid flavor for coffee. And then they also have and are promoting their Fruitfuls Pouch Products. Fruit pouches are projected to grow to a $300 million category by 2015. Now, unless you have a very conscientious kangaroo. I don't think the fruit pouch is something you actually find in nature, nor is, and here is where they're just embracing what they know sells, the Jif go-to dippers. That is in response to an increased focus on protein-rich snacking. Yes, I demand some protein-rich snacking. The Jif go-to dippers are portable peanut butter cups packaged with pretzels. Let me tell you, let me describe. This is not a clean label. Let me describe the label. It's it's a cup, but it's inverted. And on top of the cup or on bottom of the cup is a plastic container and something colorful is in that container, either chocolate silk or creamy peanut butter. The GIF logo is a red, blue, and green tricolor. It's actually very evocative of the flag of Gambia. And they're called GIF to-go dippers, T-O-G-O. So that is two African countries evoked right there. Can you resist GIF to-go dippers? You're gonna like them. They could get all of Africa. Talk about multicultural. This is just begging to be introduced to the African market where maybe fruit pouches aren't that popular. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by all this because when you talk about clothing trends, fashion trends, those feel like trends. You People who are involved in them know, oh, this. they don't say, oh, this is just the new way to dress. They're like, yes, it's a trend. It's this year's fashion. But with food, it doesn't feel trendy, but it is a trend. It's just as much a trend as straight hair. It's a similar kind of trend. You know, plain food and straight hair. And it's why you see all these blowout bars, or at least I do in Manhattan. A blowout bar is, if you don't know, where you go and you get your hair straightened. Organic all-natural, which is an all-meaningless phrase. They're just a trend. But yet, when you really think about it, processed foods were even more of a trend. So it's better rather than worse that we're getting into more natural foods. Cleaner labels or not, actual food that is food is better. And I gotta say, 
I'm becoming part of the trend. I was a cinnamon toast crunch guy. It used to be my Twitter avatar, but no more. These days I snack on carrots and punctuate them with a rousing cherry tomato. And my Twitter avatar is no longer cinnamon toast crunch. It is me in a field of daisies. I am contemplating a plate of greens plucked from the field or fruits harvested from locally sound intentions. They they, they might be berries or maybe even root vegetables or maybe a nut, like a hazelnut. As the poet once said, whatever. And that's it for today's show. Andrea Salenzi produces the gist by cutting through a steel wall, crawling down a catwalk, breaking through a brick wall, cutting her way out of a steam pipe, and then slicing through the chain to lock a manhole cover on the outside. That's how she produces the gist. Joel Meyer is managing producer, and maybe it's just a stuffed sweatshirt designed to foil the nightly bed check. With the sophistication Andy Bowers has shown as executive producer, I would not rule out that he has acquired an automobile and plan to rendezvous with someone. The gist, we are considered armed and extremely whimsical. In that note, I give you They Might Be Giants every Monday. They do a new song for us, a world debut song, which is available via their dial-a-song number on all future days of the week. But now I give you Hello, Mrs. We Like. Hello, Mrs. We Like. Wouldn't you like to write with a pencil? Hello, I'm from Mississippi. We like to wear wooden footwear. You like to wear to write handed gloves with a hat in Pennsylvania. Maybe someday we can let our Driveway out of town, you can hear it all. Right on the lion will cheer. If you find you're hungry, you should eat a sandwich. Right on.